Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnerless. When I was young, I had a bit of the acting bug, and all through elementary school, I would participate in any sort of play that our school would put on. In second grade, I believe, I took my biggest chance as a performer when I volunteered to sing a song in front of the entire school and later that night in front of everybody's parents. We were doing this musical review, which started in the 1930s, went to the 1950s, the 60s, the 70s, all the way up to the 80s, and each generation would be represented by a song. I had volunteered for the 50s. At that time, I was a really big Happy Days fan and was buying into the whole nostalgia craze that was going on in America at the time. In fact, my whole family would watch Happy Days together and we would listen to 50s music. Now, we would do rehearsals with a particular teacher and we were given the performance space for that amount of time. I had me singing and I had the people behind me playing fake instruments. The song was Blueberry Hill. I actually knew all the words to it because I was a big fan of that era. Now, the whole plan was for everybody to sing their song with a bed of music below them. Unbeknownst to me, everybody else backed out. I don't know why my teacher didn't tell me. I guess none of those kids memorized the lines. I was lucky enough to know them right off the bat. So the day before the performance, we do a dress rehearsal, and I find out that I will be the only one singing. It doesn't really freak me out that much. I don't know why, but... Everyone else told me it was a really bad idea. All my friends said, you should really just lip sync. I guess I wanted to be a thespian at that point or some sort of performer. And I said, no, I'm going to do this. I had already committed to doing it. I'm going to do it. I went up there and I sang my heart out. A lot of applause, lots of laughs, etc. The performance was on a Friday and then on a Friday night was the adult performance. So I had the whole weekend to bask in the glow of my mother's happiness. And then I went to school on Monday expecting the worst. And what actually happened was that nobody cared. In fact, most of the kids that came up to me said, wow, that was really brave. It was a very sitcom slash happy days moment, in fact. One of those rare times that the thing that would have happened in the television show happened in real life. I earned the respect of some bullies for about a week, and then they just started beating me up again. And my friends just sort of patted me on the back and forgot about it. The 50s craze continued in my life for about another year. And then, just like Happy Days, it faded away. On today's show, we're going to talk about Happy Days. We'll talk about the show's creation, how it got started, talk about the cast, the many characters, we'll talk about its reception, we'll talk about the guest stars, we'll talk about some of the changes that happened over seasons, the show's many anachronisms, some of the spin-offs of the show, and its larger effect on television, and its legacy afterwards. We have an info pack show ahead of us, so without further ado... Let's start the show. Hit it. One, two, three o'clock, four o'clock, rock. Five, six, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, rock. Nine, ten, eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock, rock. We're going to rock around ten o'clock tonight. Put your flat bags on. Join me home.
in the 1970s, there was this big 50s revival. People were really into the 50s, and that would go on for quite a while. Looking back now, you could see some of the byproducts of that craze. You had Grease the Musical, you had American Graffiti, you had things like Shanana, and you had Happy Days and the shows that it would spin off. The idea for Happy Days started in 1971 in an unsold pilot called New Family in Town that had Harold Gould playing Howard Cunningham, Marion Ross as Marion, Ron Howard as Richie, Anson Williams as Potsy, Rick Garrett as Chuck Cunningham, and Susan Nehar as Joni. Paramount, who had produced the show, took a look at it, didn't love it, and they passed on it. Later on, the show would be recycled on a television anthology series called Love American Style. In 1972, George Lucas asked to view the pilot to determine if one of the people in it, Ron Howard, would be suitable to play a teenager in his 1950s homage, American Graffiti, which was in pre-production at that point. American Graffiti would go on to become one of the top-grossing films of 1973, and all this 50s mania would capture the attention of producer Gary Marshall, who would go to ABC to recast New Family in Town and turn it into Happy Days the series. If you've seen Happy Days, you know it's the story of a family in the 1950s and 60s. It's a bit saccharine at times, but it harkens back to a father's-knows-best sort of style of entertainment. It has a wonderful cast of characters, and we'll go over some of them now. Nice segue. Why, thank you. You had Howard Cunningham, Mr. C., who was played by Tom Bosley. He's the patriarch of the Cunningham family and sort of the fountain of wisdom of the show. Tom Bosley, along with Henry Winkler, who played the Fonz, are the only two cast members to appear in all 255 episodes of Happy Days. Howard's wife was Marion Cunningham, whose maiden name was Kelp, Marion Kelp, who was played by Marion Ross. She's sort of the stereotypical heart of the family. She also has the unique distinction of being the only person in the cast who can refer to the Fonz by his first name, Arthur. And the Fonz definitely has a soft spot for Mrs. C. The initial star of the show was played by Ron Howard. It's Richie Cunningham. He was in the show for the first six years. And then at the sixth year, he leaves the show to join the United States Army. He would eventually return during the show's final season. As the show moved along, Richie was always very important in the plot, but eventually would be overshadowed by the much more popular Fonzie. Richie's sister, Joni, was played by Erin Moran. She's a typical TV younger sister, always snooping around Richie's stuff. Susan Nahar, who I mentioned earlier, was originally cast as Joni in the Happy Days version of the show, but was fired by the director during the first episode, and the scenes where Joni appeared were then later reshot with Erin Moran. Now, the Cunninghams in the first season had another son, and we'll talk a bit about the phenomenon of 
characters disappearing a little later on. But Chuck Cunningham was the eldest son of the Cunningham clan. He was in college and loved to play basketball. His character was written out of the series in season two. They decided to phase him out because as the show grew and Fonzie became more prominent, they realized that Fonzie filled the role of big brother in the series and that Richie didn't really need an older brother. In fact, in the final episode of the show, Howard Cunningham comments that he's proud of his two kids and sort of forgets all about Chuck having existed. So a little bit of a continuity error in the way the show is shot. Probably the most important character in the show was Arthur Fonzie Fonzarelli, the Fonz, who was played by Henry Winkler. He was first written as a minor character, but became hugely popular. Mickey Dolenz of the Monkees was originally cast in the role of the Fonz, based on his strength as a performance as a biker in an episode of Adam-12. I actually saw that episode recently, and, and I thought it was pretty hilarious. It was a very over-the-top performance, but I guess it impressed Marshall. And Dolans did have a brand name to bring to the show, but Dolans was several inches taller than all the other cast members, and Marshall thought it might be better for Fonzie to be on the same eye level as all the other characters instead of having him tower over everybody else. So a search was put on for a shorter actor, and Henry Winkler landed the role, which is probably pretty good because it would have been a very different show with Mickey Dolans as the Fonz. Now, Fonz was originally supposed to be named Arthur Masciarelli, which is creator Gary Marshall's real last name, and he would have the nickname Mash. When ABC first picked up the show, they had Marshall change the character's name because they felt that Mash might remind people of the TV show Mash, which was on a rival network. They had a lot of problems with Fonzie. Right off the bat, they feared that Fonzie would be perceived as a hoodlum or a criminal and didn't want him wearing a leather jacket. It's kind of amusing to watch the show in retrospect because Fonzie's jacket is like in the Smithsonian now. But in the first few episodes, Henry Winkler wears this very non-threatening gray windbreaker throughout the show. Fortunately, the network would realize they had a breakout character and would allow him to wear the iconic leather jacket. Fonzie would become so popular that they wanted to change the name of Happy Days to include Fonzie's name. Luckily, the entire cast was against it, including Henry Winkler, and the show kept the name Happy Days. How popular was Fonzie at the time? Well, during the height of the popularity of the show, there's an episode where the Fonz goes to a library to check out a book despite his really bad reputation. He basically says that reading's pretty cool. That week, registration for library cards in the United States went up 500%. So, far-reaching effects. But the Fonz's power gets even more dramatic. One time, a teenaged boy who was contemplating suicide called Paramount Studios and asked to talk to the Fonz. Henry Winkler took the call and gave the boy a pep talk about life and convinced the kid to keep going. Amazing. Now, although the Fonz loved his motorcycle, Henry Winkler did not, and most of the scenes where Fonz is riding a bike were shot with the bike attached to a platform being pulled by a truck. Fonz became really important, but early on, the character of Warren Potsy Weber, played by Anson Williams, was supposed to be a really important character. He's Richie's closest friend, a talented singer, and much more worldly than Richie, especially in earlier seasons. But as Fonzie's star rose, Potsy's star fell, and he went from a worldly, kind of carefree guy to become sort of a dim-witted side figure, punchline most of the time. Real sad. Ralph Mouth was played by Donnie Most. He's 
the comedian of the group, Donnie Most, actually auditioned for the role of Richie. And they liked him so much that they created the role of Ralph Mouth for him. Ralph Mouth would leave the show with Richie to join the army, but would return as a guest star in the final season as well. The characters don't stop there. You had Charles Chachi Arcola, who was Fonzie's younger cousin. He would later go on to marry Joni, and we'd have a spinoff off that. You had Matsua Arnold Takahashi, who was played by Pat Morita, who originally owned Arnold's Drive-In, which in the original episode was called Arthur's, and then in the very next episode became Arnold's. Strange. He would be replaced by Al Del Vecchio, who was played by Al Molinaro. Al Molinaro would leave the show, and Pat Morita would come back. You probably remember Al Molinaro as Murray the Cop from The Odd Couple. And, of course, Arnold Takahashi, Pat Morita, as Mr. Miyagi from The Karate Kid. And the characters keep on coming. Later on, they would add Jenny Piccolo, played by Kathy Silvers, as Joni's best friend. You had Richie's wife, Lori Beth Allen Cunningham, played by Linda Goodfriend. Then you would have Ted McGinley as Roger Phillips on the show, who was Marion's nephew and a coach at the high school that everybody went to. He was introduced to replace Richie after the show and would remain till the end of the series. The show went on so long that it had dozens of recurring characters. You had Pinky and Leather Tuscadero. You had Fonzie's young cousin Spike, who was originally supposed to have the role that Chachi had. You had Marcia Sims, the car hop, in the first two seasons of the show. You had Bill Sticks Downey, who was supposed to be the drummer in the show and then disappears really quickly. I guess he didn't work out. You have Ashley Fister, who was Fonzie's steady girlfriend for two seasons before mysteriously disappearing, which is something Happy Days love to do. And you had Danny Fonzarelli, who was Fonzie's adopted son in the series finale. Not only did the show have recurring characters, you had a lot of notable guest stars. Buffalo Bob Smith and Clarabelle the Clown appeared on the show. Robin Williams played Mork from Mork for Mork on the show. In one of the strangest episodes of Happy Days, Tom Hanks would appear on the show. John Hart, who played the Lone Ranger, appeared in an episode where Fonzie gets to meet his childhood idol. Hank Aaron, Lorne Green, Maureen McCormick, Marsha Brady, and many more appeared on the show. It was just packed full of people who were famous and would become famous. The show was set in two main locations. Occasionally you would also see where Fonzie worked, or they'd have some back alley. But the main locations for the show were the Cunningham home and Arnold's Drive-In. The Cunningham's official address is 565 North Clinton Drive, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Now, that address doesn't actually exist in Milwaukee, and the house itself that served as an exterior for the Cunningham residence is actually located at 565 North Cohenga Boulevard, south of Melrose Avenue in L.A., just a couple of blocks from the Paramount lot on Melrose Avenue. The Milky Way Drive-In, which was located on Port Washington Road in Glendale, was the inspiration for the original Arnold's Drive-In. It has sadly since been demolished. Now, when you have a show set in the 1950s and 60s, being shot in the 70s and 80s, you're bound to run into some anachronisms. And Happy Days had many. For example, the pinball machines that were located in Arnold's were not from the 50s or the 60s. In fact, the one that was most prominently displayed, Nippet, was made by Bally in 1972. So, right around the time the show started. The hairstyles and clothes of the show were often a potpourri of styles starting in the 50s, sometimes in the 60s. I never noticed, but this was, of course, pre-internet. If Happy Days was on nowadays, I imagine there would be pages dedicated to what was wrong in every episode. 
In a couple of episodes, Howard Cunningham can be seen wearing an LCD watch when it was supposed to be the 1950s, even though LCD watches didn't really exist until the early 1960s, or were not at least commercially available until the early 1960s. Music occasionally creeps into the show that didn't exist. In one episode set in 1962, a Beach Boys song, I Get Around, is heard, playing on the jukebox in Arnold's, but that song wasn't released until 1964. And even in a strange episode like the one where Mork from Ork appears, Mork is watching an episode of The Andy Griffith Show that wouldn't have premiered until 1960. However, the episode was supposed to take place in 1959, so maybe Mork was using some of his alien powers to view a show in the future. Speaking of Mork from Ork, Happy Days was a virtual machine for spitting out new shows. Now, it itself came from Love American Style, but it would launch many other shows. The most successful is Laverne and Shirley. The second is Mork and Mindy. The third one was Joni Loves Chachi. The fourth was this really odd one called Out of the Blue, which sort of was barely a spin-off. And because of a scheduling error, the spin-off episode didn't show up on Happy Days until after Out of the Blue had premiered. And finally you had Blensky's Beauties, which, much like Out of the Blue, seemed tacked on. It starred Nancy Walker as a former Vegas showgirl, Nancy Blansky. One week before it premiered, the character from that show appeared on Happy Days as a cousin of Howard Cunningham. You also had some animated spinoffs. You had The Fonz and The Happy Days Gang, which ran from 1980 to 1982. And you also had a Laverne and Shirley and Mork and Mindy animated series. We've got it all together now, gang. The Fonz. His doggy name, Mr. Cool and the Good Group. One flaky time machine and a future chick named Cupcake. Oh, now the gang got zapped into that time machine and they're like traveling through time. They do not dig where that machine is going, but they sure hope to get back to 1957 Milwaukee. Can you dig it? Yeah! The spinoffs on TV might end there, but they don't stop completely, because in the late 1990s, a touring arena show called Happy Days, the Arena Spectacular, toured Australia. And there was also a successful Happy Days musical just a couple of years ago. Tuesday, ring in the 80s with Happy Days and a special preview comedy, One in a Million. First, the gang gets lost in the woods. And Fonzie's going to track him down on Happy Days. Then, a small change cab driver inherits a corporate fortune. Worth $200 million. Are you crazy? It's One in a Million. Tuesday night, starting at 8 on ABC. Smooth talk, the Fonz Pinball. Wanna play me? Play the Fonz Pinball, a rugged machine with plenty of fast action. Pretty slick, huh? The Fonz Pinball is the real thing with drag strip raceways. Lots of bumper action, too. Watch those independent action flippers. Perfect. Bells, lights, real scarring. The Fonz Pinball Machine. Hey. By Coleco. A big draw 
to Happy Days was the music. Season one of the series used a newly recorded version of Rock Around the Clock by Bill Haley and his comments, which had been recorded in 1973 as the opening theme song. Now, this version of the song was not commercially available at the time, but the original 1954 recording returned to the American Billboard charts in 1974 as a result of the show on TV. People wanted to hear it and were out there buying it. It wasn't until 2005 that the Happy Days recording had its first commercial release on Hydra Records. The show's closing theme in season one was a fragment from Happy Days, written by Charles Fox and Norman Gimbel. From season 2 through 10, a longer version of Happy Days replaced Rock Around the Clock at the beginning of the show. Released as a single in 1976, Happy Days cracked the top 5 on the Billboard charts. For the show's 11th and final season, 1983 to 1984, the theme was re-recorded in a more modern style. To accompany this new version, new opening credits were filmed, and the flashing Happy Days logo was reanimated, and it created a whole new feel to the beginning of the show that had the sensibility of the 80s and dropped the 50s nostalgia. Although, 10 years had passed at this point, so the show was actually being set in 1965. Dozens, maybe hundreds of products were put out with the Happy Days label on it. You had the pinball machine that you heard the commercial about, but you also had Matchbox cars, you had Fonz's Garage, you had Parker Brothers Game, you had Lunchboxes, Viewmasters, Color Forms. I love the Color Forms. You had a comic book series. You had Halloween costumes. There was lots of Fonz's in my school. You had model kits. Stickers were really big. Trading cards. You had collectible glasses. You had Fonzie's motorcycle. You had posters. And this is just touching the surface on how far the Happy Days license extended. It was everywhere. I wish I had held on to some of this stuff. Happy Days was so popular and the plot and characters were so far-reaching that they've had an effect on how we even think about television. For example, the idea of a character breaking out from the show is called the Fonzie effect now. So when you have a show that has a character, say like Kramer on Seinfeld, that becomes very popular... They call that the Fonzie effect, someone who rises to the top. As I mentioned earlier, Chuck Cunningham disappeared, and many characters would disappear on the show. This would come to be known as Chuck Cunningham syndrome, the idea that a character just sort of disappears in the middle of the show. It happens on lots of shows, but especially seemed to happen on Happy Days, where they would introduce a character, and in the very next season, the character would completely be gone with very little to no explanation. Finally, the term that everyone is most familiar with is probably Jumping the Shark, which was coined by the website jumptheshark.com, and it refers to an episode in which Fonzie jumps a shark in water skis, which premiered on September 20th, 1977, during the show's fifth season. And it has largely become a metaphor for a show becoming an unintended mockery of itself. Jumping the Shark now has become a phrase that people use to describe anything that's sort of lost its way. Happy Days remained a very successful sitcom throughout its run. The series would run from 1973 to 1983, and in season one, started out strong in 16th place. Second season, number 11, so it's getting better. And then in 76, 1977 season, it peaks and goes to number one. Then it goes to number two the following year. Number four, we start going the other way. Number 17, number 15 number 18, and then in 1982 to 1983, it finally finished up in 28th. Still, pretty good for a show that had been on the air for 11 years. 
if you want to watch Happy Days, you can still catch it occasionally on reruns on television. And if you'd like to own it on DVD, seasons 1 through 4 were released starting in 2004. Now, season 4 was last released in December of 2008, and we're still waiting on season 5. And maybe the holdup has to do with the fact that a lot of the music in the show was copyrighted, so a lot of music on the DVDs needed to be replaced. To a young retro fan and nostalgia junkie, Happy Days was comforting in my youth. It showed me a world in the past that I could still access through a popular medium and would inspire me to look back pretty much the rest of my life for things that I would enjoy in the past. I don't think a show has clicked quite as well, but I would love to see more TV shows try. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Twitter and Facebook. I'm at twitter.com slash retroist and facebook.com slash retroist. Remember, the Retroist has a forum. If you'd like to discuss retro topics, if you have a question or an idea for the podcast, or just have a question about something from your childhood that's just on the tip of your tongue and you can't figure it out, why not post it there and we'll try to help you. It's at retroist.com slash forum. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. I found my thrill on Blueberry Hill. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.